Chapter Twelve, Part Two of Love Among the Artists by George Bernard Shaw. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter Twelve, Part Two. Nothing more was said in the box until, at a few words pronounced behind the scenes by a strange voice, Jack uttered an inarticulate sound and stood up. Then there came upon the stage a lady, very pretty very elegantly dressed a little bold in her manner a little over-rouged fascinating because of these slight excesses but stamped by them as foreign to the respectable society into which she was supposed to have intruded absurd said mary suddenly after gazing incredulously at the actress for a moment it cannot be and yet i verily believe it is lady geraldine is not that madge brailsford i really think it is said lady geraldine using her opera-glass how shockingly she is painted and yet i don't believe it is either that woman is evidently very clever which madge never was so far as i could see and the voice is quite different oho said jack it was i who found that voice for her then it is madge said mary of course it is rub your eyes and see for yourself mary looked and looked as if she could hardly believe it yet at the end of the act the principal performers including magdalen were called before the curtain and heartily applauded jack though contemptuous of popular demonstrations joined in this making as much noise as possible and impatiently bidding mary take off her gloves that she might clap her hands with more effect a moment afterwards there was a hasty knocking at the door of the box mary looked across the theatre saw that adrian's chair was vacant and turned red jack opened the door and admitted not adrian but mr brailsford who hurried to the front of the box shook lady geraldine's hand nervously made a hasty bow right and left to mary and mrs herbert and after making as though he had something particular to say sat down in jack's chair and said nothing he was greatly agitated well mr brailsford said lady geraldine smiling dare i congratulate you not a word not a word he said as if he were half suffocated i beg your pardon for coming into your box i am a broken man disgraced by my own daughter my favourite daughter sir madame i beg your pardon again you can tell this young lady that she was my favourite daughter but you must not take her brilliant success in this way said lady geraldine gently looking at him with surprise and pity and remember that you have other girls Psh! Whoosh! hissed the old gentleman throwing up his hand and snapping his fingers they are all born fools like their mother she is like me the only one that is like me did you ever see such impudence a girl brought up as she was walking out of a house in kensington palace gardens on to the stage and playing a parisian a french god bless me a drab to the life it was perfection i've seen everybody that ever acted years before your ladyship was born i remember miss o'neill i and mrs jordan mars rachel piccolomini she's better than any of em except miss o'neill i was young in her time she wouldn't be kept from it i set my face against it so did her mother who could no more appreciate her than a turnip could so did we all we locked her up we took her money from her i threatened to disown her and so i will too but she had her way in spite of this all just like me exactly like me why when i was her age i cared no more for my family than i did for bonaparte it's in her blood i should have been on the stage myself 
only it's a blackguard profession and a man who can write tragedy does not need to act it i will turn over some of my old manuscripts and she shall show the world what her old father can do and did you notice how self-possessed she was i saw the nerves under it i felt them nervousness always played the devil with me i tell you madam and i am qualified to speak on the subject that she walks the stage and gives out her lines in the true old style you don't know these things miss mary you are too young you never saw great acting but i know i had lessons from the great young edmund keen was a mountebank beside him i was the best pupil of charles Maine young and of little dutch sam but that was another matter no true lady would paint her face and make an exhibition of herself on a public stage for money still it is a most extraordinary thing that a young girl like that without any teaching or preparation should walk out of a drawing-room on to the stage and take london by storm but has she not had some little experience in the provinces said mary certainly not said mr brailsford impatiently strolling about with a parcel of vagabond pantomimists is not experience not proper experience for a young lady she is the first brailsford that ever played for money in a public theatre she is not a brailsford at all i have forbidden her to use the name she disgraced come said lady geraldine you are proud of her you know you are i am not i have refused to see her i have disowned her if i caught one of her sisters coming to witness this indecent french play of which she is the life and soul what would it be without her lady geraldine tell me that it would be the dullest business imaginable ha ha cried brailsford with a triumphant gesture i should think so dull as ditch-water her voice alone would draw all london to listen perhaps you think that i taught her to speak i tell you mrs herbert i would have slain her with my own hand as soon as trained her for such a profession who taught her then why i did said jack mr brailsford who had not noticed his presence before stared at him and stiffened as he did so i believe you are already acquainted with mr jack said lady geraldine watching them with some anxiety you see what she has made of herself said jack looking hard at him i helped her to do it you opposed her which of us was in the right i will not go into that question with you sir said mr brailsford raising his voice and waving his glove i do not approve of my daughter's proceedings he turned from jack to mrs herbert and made a brave effort to chat with her with a jaunty air a distinguished audience to-night i think i saw somewhere in the house your son not the least distinguished of us painting is a noble art i remember when painters did not stand as well in society as they do now but never in my life have i failed in respect for them never a man is the better for contemplating a great picture your son has an enviable career before him so i am told not a doubt of it he is a fine young man as he indeed could not fail to be with such an inheritance of personal graces and mental endowments he is very like his father possibly madame said mr brailsford bowing but i never saw his father whatever his career may be i shall have little part in it i did not encourage him to become an artist i opposed his doing so as well as i could i was mistaken i suppose it is easier than i thought to become a popular painter but children never forgive such mistakes forgive exclaimed mr brailsford his withered cheek reddening faintly if you have forgiven him for disregarding your wishes you can hardly believe that he will be so unnatural as to cherish any bad feeling towards you eh it is not unnatural to resent an unmerited wound to one's vanity 
if i could honestly admire adrian's work even now i have no doubt he would consent to be reconciled to me in time but i cannot his pictures seem weak and sentimental to me i can see the deficiencies of his character in every line of them i always thought that genius was an indispensable condition to success ha ha said jack what you call success is the compensation of the man who has no genius if you had believed in his genius and yet wanted success for him you might have opposed him with better reason some men begin by aiming high and they have to wait till the world comes up to their level others aim low and have to lift themselves to success happy fellows like mr adrian hit the mark at once being neither too good for the academy people nor too bad for the public probably you are right said mrs herbert i should have borne in mind that worse painters than he enjoy a fair share of toleration however i must abide by my error now but surely said mr brailsford harping anxiously on the point you do not find that he persists in any little feeling of disappointment that you may have caused him formerly no no he can't do that he must see that you were actuated by the truest regard for his welfare and and so forth i find that his obstinacy or perseverance rather is as evident in his resentment against me as it was in his determination to make himself an artist in spite of me mr brailsford trouble bit his nail and glanced at mrs herbert twice or thrice without speaking lady geraldine watched him for a moment and then said there is a difference between your case and mrs herbert's of course he said hurriedly oh of course quite different i was not thinking of any such and yet continued lady geraldine there is some likeness too you both oppose your children's tastes but mrs herbert does not believe in adrian's talent although she is glad she has made a position for himself you on the contrary are carried away by magdalen's talent but you are indignant at the position it has made for her i am not carried away you entirely misapprehend my feelings i deeply deplore her conduct i have ceased to correspond with her even since she set my feelings at defiance by accepting a london engagement in short said lady geraldine with good-humoured raillery you would not speak to her if she were to walk into this box mr brailsford started and looked round but there was no one behind him jack had disappeared no he said recovering himself certainly not i cannot believe that she would venture into my presence the curtain went up as he spoke when madge again came on the stage her business was of more serious character than in the first act and displayed the heartless determination of the adventurous rather than her amusing impudence lady geraldine admiring a certain illustration of this turned with an approving glance to mr brailsford he was looking fixedly at the stage no longer triumphant almost haggard he seemed relieved when the actress being supposed to recognize an old lover relented and showed some capacity for sentiment when the act was over he still sat staring nervously at the curtain presently the box door opened and he again looked round with a start it was jack who returning his testy regard with a grim smile came close to him stretched an arm over his head and pulled over one of the curtains of the box so as to seclude it from the house mr brailsford rose trembling i absolutely refuse he began jack opened the door and madge with her dress covered by a large domino cloak hurried in she threw off the cloak as soon as the door was closed and then seized her father and kissed him he said with difficulty my dear child 
sat down and bent his head overpowered by emotion for the moment she stood with her hand on his shoulder and bowed over him in a very self-possessed manner to mary whom she addressed as miss sutherland and to the others i have no business to be here she said in a penetrating whisper it is against rules but when mr jack came in and told me that my father was here i could not let him go without speaking to him lady geraldine bowed she and her companions had been prepared to receive madge with frank affection but her appearance and manner quite disconcerted them they recollected her as a pretty petulant young lady they had actually seen her as only one or two minutes before on the stage yet here she was apparently grown during those two minutes not only in stature but in frame the slight and elegant lady of the play was in the box a large strong woman with resonant voice and measured speech even her hand as she patted her father's shoulder moved rhythmically as if the gesture were studied the kindly patronage with which lady geraldine had been willing to receive an impulsive clever young girl was forgotten in the mixture of respect disappointment and even aversion inspired by the self-controlled independent and accomplished woman mary was the first to recover herself madge she said that is if one may venture to call you madge indeed you may said madge nodding and smiling gracefully you are a great deal more like yourself on the stage than off it yes said madge for the last two and a half years i have not taken a single holiday mr brailsford now sat upright coughed and looked severely round his lip relaxed as his gaze fell on magdalen and after an apprehensive glance at her he lost his assurance even more obviously than the others you have grown a good deal i think my child he said nervously yes i hardly expected you to know me you are looking better than ever how are the girls quite well thank you my dear quite well and mother oh she is well a little rheumatism of course and a i shall come and see you all to-morrow at one o'clock be sure to stay at home for me won't you certainly certainly we shall be very glad to see you now i must run away and i shall not see you again to-night except across the footlights mr jack my domino jack put the cloak upon her shoulders is the corridor empty jack looked out and reported it empty i must give you one more kiss father she did so and on this occasion mr brailsford did not exhibit emotion but merely looked dazed then she bowed as sweetly as before to lady geraldine and mrs herbert good-night madge said mary putting up her spectacles and peering boldly at her good-night dear said madge passing her arm round mary's neck and stooping to kiss her come to-morrow and i will tell you all the news about myself may i fly now mr jack come along said jack and she tripped out whisking her domino dexterously through the narrow door and revealing for an instant her small foot there was an awkward silence in the box for some moments after she left it was broken by the chuckling of jack who presently said aside to mary when i first saw that young lady she was a helpless good-for-nothing piece of finery and now said mary she is an independent woman and an accomplished artist how i envy her and pray why said jack because she is of some use in the world if you will allow me said mr brailsford rising suddenly i will return to my own place i am incommoding your friend doubtless good-night he offered a trembling hand to lady geraldine made a courtly demonstration towards mary and mrs herbert 
and turned to go on his way to the door he stopped confronted jack and made him a grave bow which was returned with equal dignity then he went out slowly like an infirm old man without any sign of his habitual jauntiness of bearing poor devil said jack i beg your pardon said lady geraldine sharply he finds his pet baby changed into a woman and he doesn't like it said jack not heeding her remonstrance now if she were still the cream-coloured helpless little beauty she used to be quite dependent on him he would be delighted to have such a pretty domestic toy to play with perhaps so said lady geraldine but there is such a thing as parental feeling and it is possible that mr brailsford may not be philosopher enough to rejoice at a change which has widened the distance between her youth and his age he need not be alarmed said jack if he cannot make a toy of her any longer she can make a toy of him she is thinking already of setting up a white-haired father as part of her equipment i saw the idea come into the jade's head whilst she was looking down at him in that chair he looked effective this family affection is half sense of property and half sense of superiority miss sutherland who is no use in the world poor young lady had not such property in miss brailsford as her father expected to have and no such comfortable power of inviting her to parties and getting her married as you look forward to and consequently she was the only one who bore the change in her with a good grace and really welcomed her i am not conscious of having been otherwise than perfectly friendly to her ain't you said jack sceptically lady geraldine reddened slightly then smiled in spite of her vexation and said really mr jack you are a sort of grown-up enfant terrible i confess that i was a little overpowered by her staginess i can understand actors being insufferably stagey on the boards and quite natural in a room but i cannot make out how an actress can be perfectly natural on the boards and stagey in private acting has become natural to her and she has lost the habit of your society that is all as you say acting never becomes natural to bad actors there she comes again the charm is considerably weakened said lady geraldine turning toward the stage she does not seem half so real as she did before the play ended as successfully as it had begun the translators responded to calls for the author and miss madge lancaster took the lion's share of the rest of the applause then the pit and galleries emptied themselves into the street with much trampling of stairs the occupants of the more expensive places made their way slowly through the crush room one step at a time the men sliding their feet forward at every advance the women holding warm head wrappings fast with one hand and hanging awkwardly on to the arms of gentlemen with the other lady geraldine got a glimpse of mr brailsford as she descended but he hurried away as if desirous to avoid further conversation jack who had amused her by betraying some emotion at the pathetic passages in the play and who had since been silent walked gloomily beside mary they were detained for some minutes in the vestibule lady geraldine's footman not being at hand come said jack sulkily here is somebody happy at last mary looked and saw herbert coming down the stairs with aurelie who was like jack the subject of some whispering and pointing yes said mary he is happy i do not wonder at it she is very gentle and lovely she is a greater artist than madge yet she has none of madge's assurance which would repel adrian she has plenty of assurance in music which is her trade miss madge has plenty of assurance in manners which are her trade 
i am just thinking geraldine said mrs herbert of the difference between adrian and that girl madge brailsford she capable sensible able to hold her own against the world she is everything in short that adrian is not and that i have often wished him to be yet her father seems as far from being united to her as adrian is from me query then is there any use in caring for one's children i really don't believe there is not in the least after they have become independent of you said lady geraldine looking impatiently towards the door where is williams i think he must have gone mad at this moment aurelie recognizing mrs herbert made as though she would stop and said something to adrian which threw him into trouble and indecision at once apparently she was urging him and he making excuses taking care not to look towards his mother this dumb show was perfectly intelligible to mrs herbert who directed lady geraldine's attention to it it is all williams's fault said lady geraldine we should have been out of this five minutes ago you had better take the bull by the horns at once eliza go and speak to him the vacillating idiot i will not indeed said mrs herbert i hope he will have the firmness to make her go away the question was settled by the appearance of lady geraldine's servant who hurried in and began to explain the delay there i do not want to hear anything about it said lady geraldine now where is mary mary was already hastening out with jack herbert saw them go with a sensation of relief when he reached his lodgings he was disagreeably relieved from some remorse for having avoided mary on the table lay a parcel containing all his letters and presents to her with a note beginning dear mr herbert in which she said briefly that on second thoughts she considered it best to follow the usual course and begged him to believe that she was sincerely his mary sutherland End of chapter twelve recording by expatriate in bangor maine